You're a boy, right? No. I'm a girl. Who told you you're a girl? Mommy. <clears throat> on this special edition of the Dr. J Show, we will be focusing on the case of James Younger, a seven-year-old whose father says he is being manipulated into transgendering. We'll tell you about it in our news section, and we will be featuring extended comments by Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, founder and president of the Ruth Institute, on James' situation at the heart of this podcast. Welcome to the Dr. J Show, a production of the Ruth Institute. The Ruth Institute is building an interfaith coalition to defend the family. We believe the best for children is mothers and fathers who cooperate in a lifelong union of love, surrounded by a culture that supports these aspirations. You can count on the Ruth Institute to know what they're talking about, and you can count on Dr. J to help you put your faith into action and make a difference. I'm Father Mark Hodges, and here are the headlines. A Dallas judge has ruled against natural parents' rights in a child transgender treatment battle that has arrested the country's attention all the way up to the White House. When little James Younger saw the Disney cartoon Frozen, he was delighted with the lead character, Elsa. His gestational carrier, pediatrician Anne Georgiulis, began to believe James may be transgender because he liked a McDonald's toy meant for girls. Encouraged by the transgender business Genesis, Georgiulis began telling three-year-old James that he was a girl. She sent James to kindergarten in a dress against the boy's father, Jeff Younger's convictions and religious beliefs. She insisted that his teachers treat him like a girl and that the staff call him Luna. At James's fifth birthday, Georgiulis made him wear a dress, even though party attendees could see the boy was distressed. One account says James, quote, hid in a corner and cried, unquote. The couple eventually got divorced. They shared custody of James and his twin Jude for nearly two years until Georgiulis sued for full custody including decision-making rights for James's transgender drugs and surgery. Democrat Judge Kim Cooks, a divorcee, gave Georgiulis, quote, exclusive rights after notifying the father to consent to medical, dental, and surgical treatment involving invasive procedures and psychiatric and psychological treatment of James and Jude. In contrast, Judge Cooks ordered Father Jeff Younger to take transgender indoctrination classes on how relating to his son as a boy is, quote, harmful to his emotional and well-being, unquote. Georgiulis argued in court calling the father cutting his son's hair, quote, emotionally abusive behavior, unquote, and equating a haircut with, quote, family violence, unquote. James's father charged Georgiulis with manipulating his son into transgenderism by relentlessly telling him he's a girl and by putting him in dresses, makeup, false eyelashes, painted nails, hair clips, and even locking the boy in his own room telling him that, quote, the monsters only eat boys, unquote. The judge also forbade James's father, on threat of criminal charges, from presenting his son as a boy to any third party and even from attempting to persuade his son that he's actually a boy. 
President Trump's son, Donald Trump Jr., commented, quote, This is child abuse. People need to start to stand up against this bullshit. Enough is enough, unquote. Quote, the habit that divorce wrecks in a child's life is main stage in this tragic case, Kathy Faust from Them Before Us wrote in The Federalist. Most of us children of divorce quickly learn to act one way with mom and another way with dad, unquote. While Jeff is James's father, Georgulis carried him to term but is not his genetic mother. Like the biblical case brought before King Solomon, the biological parent is the one who wants to protect and keep the child physically whole. Quote, when I see headlines about a woman pushing her prepubescent son to undergo experimental and risky treatments, I wonder if her biological disconnect has anything to do with it, Faust mused. A new development happened Thursday, October 24th, when Judge Cooks restored at least some supervised custody to the father. Cooks's decision allowing, quote, joint medical decisions, unquote, may mean Jeff might be able to nix Georgiulis's plans to transition little James. However, in light of the growing public outcry in favor of the father, Judge Cooks slapped the gag order on Jeff, forbidding him from speaking to the press. And while she said he doesn't have to pay court costs, she ordered the supportive website SaveJames.com shut down. Ruth Institute founder and president Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse has been speaking out for James and is addressing this special edition of the Dr. J Show in a moment. And finally, the United States Commission on Unalienable Rights will begin its work with two public meetings October 23rd and November 1st at the State Department in Washington, D.C. Founded by President Trump in July, the Commission's stated purpose is to provide the State Department Quote, recommendations concerning international human rights matters, including fresh thinking about human rights discourse, where such discourse has departed from our nation's founding principles of natural law and natural rights, unquote. The commission has a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get the State Department behind authentic human rights, which begin with the family. Ruth Institute President Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse commented, Respect for the rights of others is learned in the family. In turn, governments must respect the rights of families." Unquote. The Ruth Institute is co-sponsoring a Make the Family Great Again online petition to President Donald Trump and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. The letter to the President affirms that children need their mother and their father that stable, loving families provide the basis for strong societies, including thriving economies, national security, and international peace. And yet, the United Nations and other international organizations often work against children and against families. Therefore, the petition urges the U.S. Commission on Unalienable Rights to fight for international recognition of the right to life from conception to natural death of the right of families to educate their own children in their faith, tradition, and values without being undermined by the state, of the right of every person to know the identity of his or her biological parents, and of the right of every child to a relationship with his or her natural mother and father, except in cases of an unavoidable tragedy. Quote, we welcome the beginnings of a process to get the State Department behind the rights of the family. Dr. Morse concluded. 
You can sign this petition. Nearly 8,000 folks have signed it. To sign the Make a Family Great Again, visit the website below. You're a boy, right? No. I'm a girl. Who told you you were a girl? Mommy. <clears throat> when did she tell you you were a girl? Because I love girls. Oh, I see. So mommy told you you were a girl? Uh-huh. Um, does mommy um, do anything else like with a girl with you? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like chesses. What, what does she do? She do... She puts dresses on you? Oh, wow. And what else does she do? She buys my headbands. Uh-huh. And, and, <clears throat> and she gets me hair clips. Oh, hair clips? Okay. Mm -hmm. What else? Some microphones. What else? Like a skeleton. Does she do anything with your fingers? Yeah. What? She paints my nails. So that, why does she do that? Because I love like nail polish. Oh. So mommy puts you in a dress and puts nail polish on you? Mm -hmm. And And what does mommy tell you? She tells me I'm a girl. Oh, okay. Do you think you're a girl? Uh-huh. You do? And now. Here is Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, president and founder of the Ruth Institute, discussing the tragic plight and the implications from it for our nation and our world of little James Younger. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, founder and president of the Ruth Institute. And I want to talk with you about the Save James case, young James Younger in Texas, the case of the little boy whose parents are in a quarrel over whether or not he should transition from being a boy to a girl. What I like to say about this case is that this case is not just about transgenderism. It's also about divorce. If you've seen some of the court documents, which friends of ours have gone and found and which you could find on the same Save James website that his father's created, if you look at the court documents, the mother has made some very serious requests of the court. The family court Judge, what I want to say to you is that the family court judge has the authority to grant everything that the mother asks. Whether the father cuts the boy's hair, whether he's sufficiently affirming, when he gets to see the children and what he gets to say to them. Family courts already routinely make these kinds of decisions. Custody and visitation decisions are made and are dependent upon monitoring these highly personal and intimate aspects of, 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 the, of a family's life. An otherwise law-abiding family can be held in contempt of court for violating these kinds of orders. So the case is about divorce. The case is also about third-party reproduction. The mother in this case, Dr. Gorgolas, I'm sorry if I'm butchering her name, I think it's Gorgolas, uh, she's the legal mother of these boys, but she is not genetically related to them. This couple used an egg donor. Now she may have been the gestational carrier. I'm not clear on that point. That hasn't been clear from the reports that I've seen. But what I wanna point out about this is the current law permits the separation of genetic motherhood from gestational motherhood, from legal motherhood, 
from caregiving motherhood. The best interest of this child, the best interest of any child, is for all those aspects of motherhood to be united in one person, the one and only mother. Now, I have noticed in my work on this issue that people who are determined to have a child at all costs sometimes develop, or maybe they already have, serious control issues. The child becomes a project of one of the parents or the other. Now, Mr. Younger reports quite a bit on the Save James website, and it ju just jumped out at me as I read it. If half of what he says is true, this woman has some serious control issues. Now, I'm not in a position to make a valid statistical generalization about whether third-party reproduction and control issues are linked because no one's ever studied it. The fertility industry and all of its cheerleaders are not really interested in studying this issue. But I will tell you that I have seen it often enough that I can't ignore it. And of course, this case is also about the transgender ideology. It's about divorce. It's about third-party reproduction, and it is, of course, also about the transgender ideology. With virtually no objective clinical standards, adults are making irrevocable decisions on, your, on young children. This little boy's body is perfectly healthy. The sex of his body is not wrong, and it does not need to be surgically or chemically altered. Transgenderism, third-party reproduction, and divorce all have one thing in common. They all increase the power of the state over the lives of ordinary people. This is the sexual state at work. This is the sexual deep state. Now let me explain this to you. Look at transgenderism. A person can change whether they're a boy or a girl, man or a woman, and the state will enforce the decision. The state will monitor people's use of pronouns. The state will monitor whether this father cuts his son's hairs or not, cuts his son's hair or not. Third-party reproduction. This is an industry that absolutely couldn't exist without the state. Now, sometimes people say, well, if you make something illegal, it'll just go underground, there'll be a black market. Hey, that's not the case here, because the product that people want is the legal right to be recognized as a parent. The third-party reproduction works because one of the genetic parents is removed from the equation legally. Out there somewhere is a egg donor, a woman who donated her eggs to this couple thinking, oh, we're going to help. I'm going to help an infertile couple. I'm going to help them achieve their reproductive goals. I'm going to make somebody happy. That's what somebody's thinking. That woman, whoever she is, she is legally a stranger to her own children. The state made that happen. That could not possibly happen without the state. And the legally recognized mother is the mother because the law says she's the mother. So the state has created the whole third-party reproduction industry. And divorce, of course, no-fault divorce is the creature of the state. It is the state always consistently taking sides with the person who wants the marriage the least. And not every case is as uh, is as terrible as this particular case, but there are a lot of terrible cases out there. And no-fault divorce, the premise of no-fault is, gee, it's too hard for us to figure out who's at fault. Gee, it's too hard for us to really have a hearing and figure out, did somebody actually commit adultery or not? That's too intrusive. That's too much evidence. We can't do that. 
Oh, but it's just fine for us to monitor Mr. Younger for the rest of his life to make sure he doesn't cut his son's hair or use the wrong pronoun. Oh, we don't want the state in our bedrooms. Oh, but the state can be in the back seat of your minivan or sitting across from you at the kitchen table monitoring everything that you say or don't say. This, this power of the family court over ordinary people's lives is something that has been going on for a long time. And unless you have seen it up close and personal, most people cannot believe how intrusive it really is. What all three of these things have in common is they all increase the power of the state over the lives of ordinary people. This is the sexual deep state at work. I want you to imagine having electronic communication with your son hmm. on FaceTime. Hmm. And imagine that your ex-wife has dressed him as a drag queen to talk to you. Hmm. He has false eyelashes and makeup. His hair's got glitter in it. He's wearing a dress. Now, imagine how you would feel seeing what I believe is actual sexual abuse. I believe this is not just emotional abuse, but is the very most fundamental form of sexual abuse, tampering with the sexual identity of a vulnerable boy. Every single day, you have to see your son sexually abused and you have to maintain your calm. Hmm. You have to be the one who's calm because the courts are not going to be fair to you. Hmm. And the only way you can survive this and get your son through this alive is to calmly allow your son to be tortured right before your eyes and outlast the opposition. Hmm. That's what it's like. This is the sexual deep state at work. Yes, please, let us do save James, and let's save a whole lot of other kids too. Thanks very much for watching. I'm Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse. Save James. Katie Faust from Them Before Us wrote in The Federalist, Parents, not the government, should have authority over their child's medical decisions and education. It's one reason biological parents are the two people to whom children have a natural right. Biological parents are the most connected to, invested in, and protective of their children. Third-party reproduction functions as a market to meet the desires of adults, where a child becomes a commodity existing for the adult and not the other way around. And now for the most important part of our program, your action item for this week. Little James Younger is just one of hundreds of children being chemically castrated because of our failure to speak out against transgenderism, unnatural third-party reproduction, easy no-fault divorce, same-sex marriage, and many more results of the culture-destroying sexual revolution. We urge you to tell Texas Governor Greg Abbott to intervene to save James. 
call the governor's opinion hotline or visit his website. A petition on LifeSite News supporting the father has collected more than 69,000 signatures in just a few days. We encourage everyone to keep following this important case. Ruth Institute President Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse said, Transgenderism, third-party reproduction, and divorce all increase the power of the state over the lives of ordinary people. This is the sexual deep state at work, Morse said. Keep the heat on. And that's our action item for this week. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. And finally, here's Dr. Morse for a word of advice and encouragement. We're faced with two competing worldviews. The worldview of people of faith is this. Every child has identity rights and relational rights with respect to their parents. And this is the part we don't like to say too loudly. These rights impose legitimate obligations on adults. We don't like to say that too loud because people resist hearing that they have obligations to others that they didn't explicitly choose to bear. Now, the competing worldview is this. Every adult has the right to the sexual activity they want with a minimum of inconvenience. And children have to accept whatever the adults choose to give them. We do not say this last part too loud because we'd be ashamed of ourselves if we just blurted it out. But that is approximately the position of most of the people in power of most of the so-called developed countries. They believe it is the job of the government to minimize the inconvenience that adults experience from their sex lives. You've been listening to The Dr. J Show, a production of the Ruth Institute. The Ruth Institute equips Christians to defend the family and build a civilization of love. Check out our website at ruthinstitute.org for helpful resources and support. Join us on Facebook. Our podcasts can also be found online at ruthinstitute.org. I'm Father Mark Hodges. Thank you for watching.